Well, there's a bit more enthusiasm around this morning with the US shares rising higher. Oil too. Oil can be explained because inventories have fallen sharply in the United States, so they are using the stuff. Maybe that helped equities too, or are investors just buying the dip? Whatever, the news out of China was less promising, particularly their retail sales numbers. And US inflation might have fallen, but what about everywhere else? It's up in UK and Canada. And today, Aussie employment numbers. What's the lockdown done to jobs? It's Thursday, the 16th of September 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks have bounced back about 0.9% up for the Nasdaq and the S&P and about 0.8% for the Dow. This is the first rise in the Nasdaq for eight sessions, actually. Banks and oil companies doing the best out of all of this. Shares are down in Europe, though. 1% fall for the Euro stocks 50. Uh, That was the story over much of Europe yesterday. The Hang Seng was down 1.8% as well. Uh, So uh, falls in Asia. The U.S. dollar has fallen away a little. It's down a quarter percent on the Japanese yen and down half a percent on the Canadian dollar. The Aussie, though, gained 0.2%. 2% up over 73.3 US cents. The pound is up a quarter percent. The euro is pretty flat. And bond yields are up. Two basis points added to 10-year treasuries to 1.3%. Even more yield rises in Europe. UK 10, 10-year gilt yields, for example, are up four basis points. And oil, a massive bounce back. A 3% rise in WTI. 2.5% up for Brent. Now well over 75 uh, a barrel, 75.50. Uh, we, 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 well, briefly a couple of times in July. But before that, you've got to go back to 2000. 2018 to see it back at those prices. And Tapa Strickland is back with us this morning from NAB in Sydney. So we've got a bit more optimism in the markets, uh, Tapa. So is this is this high hopes? Uh, is, is there a bit more optimism or is it buying the dip? Because unless I'm missing something, there wasn't any earth-shattering news to, to drive this optimism, apart from uh, well, a fall in oil inventories, which perhaps explains the oil, the oil price. But even that seems a bit of an overreaction, doesn't it? Hey, good morning, Phil. Yes, it does seem like a classic case of by the dip as far as the equity market is concerned with no real um, market moving news out overnight on the positive side and in fact if anything uh, the news flow out of Asia has been on the softer side especially just given the Delta outbreak in China and those uh, much weaker than expected Chinese activity indicators there And so in the absence of any other explanation you'd have to say this is probably more of a buy than dip mentality but we did get some positive US data albeit very second tier um, as the market opened and that was the Empire Fed manufacturing survey and that did beat quite, quite considerably and no one could really identify the reason why and the New York Empire Fed Manufacturing Survey rose to 34.3 against uh, 17.9 expected. But when you look at the harder data in terms of manufacturing production, um, which which we also got um, later in the day, uh, manufacturing output uh, came in a little bit below um, expectations at 0.2 against uh, 0.4% expected. So nothing really to write home about there. Yeah. Well, let's look at those China side, the China side of the street because they were disappointing numbers, weren't they? And markets do seem to have brushed it aside. Industrial production a little lower than expected. Fixed asset investment a little lower too. But look at those retail sales. They were well below expectations. Uh, definitely well below expectations. Coming in at a 2.5% year on year against a 7% expected there. And when you look at the month-on-month movements, uh, retail sales rose marginally after a 0.2% drop in July. And that would be the weakest two-month uh, growth period since the lockdowns back in early uh, 2020. So it does suggest the uh, Delta outbreak that we did see in July, and that was mostly controlled by by mid-August, did weigh quite heavily on Chinese activity there. And while you can say that is uh, temporary, um, with the virus having come under control uh, by mid-August, we have had a recent virus outbreak in 
Fujian province with 50 new cases. Um, and so there is a potential mm. that um, that dampens activity in September. So you may not get as much of a bounce back as you first thought. And then the other two things going on in China, which is starting to concern more people, starting to garner a little bit more attention, is uh, the, turmoil, the turmoil that's happening at Evergrande. And that's really casting yep. some questions around the property development sector. And you've been speaking about this with uh, Rodrigo on the morning call um, earlier. Uh, but the two key developments um, overnight were that Chinese authorities have told major lenders um, uh, to not expect interest payments uh, due next week on bank loans from Evergrande. Um, so it yeah. does look like and they, they, they're sitting on, sitting on debts of $90 billion, mm. equivalent of $90 billion. Yeah. Uh, and it's worse than that, actually, because they've got, they've got down payments on houses that they haven't delivered yet. So actually, their debts are even higher than that. It's an astonishing figure, isn't it? Uh, definitely. And it looks like this is starting to spill into uh, the smaller listed property developers as, as well, uh, such as Fantasia Holdings. Um, and so yeah. for regulators uh, who are trying to um, do a little bit of restructuring in terms of the property development space, um, it does have the risk of uh, slowing uh, the property sector there, which obviously would have flow-on impacts to Australia as well. So it's still very early days in respect to that, but um, a lot of caution would probably be need to be played there. And the third one is this regulatory crackdown in China is, is continuing. And uh, late yesterday, um, some red headlines come over Bloomberg saying uh, China requires websites to stick to, to correct political direction. So the Great Firewall uh, is continuing in China, and that regulatory crackdown is also continuing as well. Right. Now, look, inflation, not just a US phenomenon. The UK inflation rate came in at 0.7% month on month uh, after, I think it was flat in July, wasn't it? But it's, it's up 3.2% year on year. Now, a, a year ago, they had the uh, the Eat Out to Help Out scheme, so that kept prices lower a, a little bit. And I think, uh, just like in the US, used car prices are a part of the, the rise in inflation as well. I guess if it's hard to get new cars, then that pushes up the price of used cars. If, you know, because if you if you need a car, you you need a car. Uh, definitely, and the important thing to note about the UK CPI data is that um, only last week, Governor Bailey from the Bank of England um, told Parliament that he was one of four MPC members who thought that the minimum criteria for tighter monetary policy had been met. So um, that higher than expected UK CPI data kind of cemented those ex expectations that the Bank of England could start to raise rates uh, into next year. And um, also um, on the inflation side, Canadian CPI data also beat as well. So those, um, so the UK and Canadian CPI beats, along with that higher oil price, um, did help lift global yields a little bit there. And you mentioned the lift in UK and Canadian yields. Uh, the US 10-year yield also lifted by about uh, two basis points as well. And that was all reflected in that implied inflation break-even component. So it's 4.1% year-on-year, wasn't it, the, the Canadian number? These, these are big numbers, aren't they? are very, very big, big numbers. And most people are still in that transitory camp in terms of, of, of inflation, uh, and that's where I sit as well. Uh, and uh, the key reason is is with the pandemic, there has been a massive concentration of goods goods demand. And then as economies open, you'd expect that demand to pivot towards the services side. And then the other factor is that we've been talking about for a long time is the supply chain disruptions and they have been going for a lot longer than a lot of people thought um, and it looks like those uh, delta virus outbreaks in southeast asia will continue those uh, supply chain disruptions for a little bit longer yet but importantly those vaccines are being rolled out in those countries as well so um, going into next year uh, it, it's hoped those supply chain disruptions start to abate as more and more uh, parts of that southeast asian population are 
vaccinated and they start to transition to living with the virus yeah so uh, u.s import and export prices they were both quite high as well weren't they overnight i guess that is more to do with uh, supply disruption as well uh, look uh, also uh, just going back to the uk very briefly in the last few hours they've had a cabinet reshuffle uh, it's quite a big cabinet reshuffle but i guess the, the key job that of the treasurer the chancellor uh, is still uh, there with rishi sunak so he can push ahead with his uh, plans for tax hikes rather curious plans for tax hikes as they as they try and come out of the recession uh, and uh, philip lane the ecb chief economist he's been talking as well uh, he's quite happy to see inflation it's all part of the accommodative monetary policy of the ecb said he said investors shouldn't get too carried away with their pace of bond buying and uh, he's expecting inflation is going to spike this year again you know the whole transitory story it'll be quite high next year as well but it's going to average one and a half percent in 2023 which of course is below the ecb's two percent target so she'll be right basically is what he's been saying. Yeah, there wasn't too much in um, ECB Chief Economist Lane's uh, speech today, just reiterating that uh, for them, um, it's really the expected stock of QE purchases that matters, not necessarily the flow of purchases. And they see most of the impact coming through the yield curve there. So for them, it's uh, the expected stock. Yeah, and Christine Lagarde from the ECB talking as well later on. I think she's going to give a more future oriented uh, direction about uh, you know how maybe they will sort of like be echoing the uh, the china approach to uh, overseas investment um we'll see how that works out we would have thought we'd be focusing out getting through the pandemic first look today we get uh, gdp growth for new zealand for q2 first thing this morning we get japan's balance of trade U.S. retail sales for for August later on tonight. Uh, The initial jobless claims as well, they're going to be important for the week of the 11th of December. But before any of that, the Aussie employment numbers for August. So uh, we're going to see the unemployment rate increase, aren't we? Uh, 4.9%, I think, is the consensus from 4.6% last time. Is that how NAB sees it today? Uh, yes, the employment and unemployment data in Australia will be looked at qu- quite closely and the consensus there looks for 80,000 jobs lost and for the unemployment rate to tick up to 5%. Uh, it's still unclear exactly what numbers will will print here and a lot of it is to do with the exact definitions of what constitutes someone being employed and what constitutes someone being um, unemployed. And just worth noting, in lockdown areas in Australia, they've waived the requirement to search for work if you are on unemployment benefits. So it's quite possible that you're receiving unemployment benefits but aren't active, but aren't actively searching for work and therefore aren't actually counted as unemployed. So um, it could actually be seen as um, a fall in the participation rate. So I think uh, we'll be looking more closely at hours worked and uh, seeing exactly how that, that falls. Um, for markets, though, in many respects, the employment and unemployment data will be relatively dated, and that's mainly because of those reopening plans that we have started to see from New South Wales and expected to see from Victoria on Sunday. And we know from prior experience, once you do reopen, you get a pretty sharp uh, rebound in activity, and that seems to be the RBA's view there as well. And uh, the New South Wales reopening plan um, sees that restrictions will be substantially eased in early to mid-October, and that's when you get to that 70% full adult uh, vaccination rate. And just and just illustrated for why we would expect a relatively sharp rebound in activity. Uh, yesterday, we had uh, consumer sentiment data, and that rose 2% in September. And there was a notable uh, sharp rise in New South Wales by 5.3%. So New South Wales 
consumers were relatively buoyant there. And uh, overall, when you look at consumer sentiment, it's been relatively resilient to the lockdowns. And uh, that kind of picture we also saw in business confidence uh, out of the NAB survey on Tuesday. So uh, mm. that would suggest um, that activity will rebound relatively sharply once those restrictions ease. Yeah, well, we hope so, don't we? The question is, how long is it sustained for? And that's going to make uh, retail sales from the United States very interesting, isn't it, for August? Because we've seen, uh, you know, even though it's opening up, uh, consumer confidence has fallen. Does that mean we're going to see that in, in, in retail sales, just as we have done in China? Yeah, so the consensus there for the core control group of retail is for a flat print after last month's uh, 1% decline. Uh, and you would also have to add on the uh, storm activity that we have been seeing uh, in the US. So you'd have to say the, down, the the risks for retail sales are probably to the downside there. All right. All right. Fair bit going on. Uh, we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for your a double dose of tapas this week. Uh, you can uh, go and put your feet up now. Good to talk tapas. Catch you next week. Uh, cheers. Uh, thanks, Phil. Actually, he doesn't put his feet up. He's got to go and write the morning note. It's a bit of a rude awakening this early in the morning, isn't it? That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Have a great Thursday.